Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm your guy, Tony DeShields II, and I'm joined by our Eagles insider, John McMullen. As you guys already know, before we get too deep into the content, of course, I appreciate you guys for locking in, but also make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel, and also make sure you guys are always staying tuned into programs like Burge 365, Sports Take, the National Football Show, also, Jacob is going crazy right now with the sports gambling shows right now with the Philly Godfather. Also, we got another program that's live right now as we speak, Legal Hands to the Face featuring Bill Colarillo. Make sure you guys go like in on all the, all the fresh content that Jacob Sports is loaded up in the clip for you guys. Now, John, you know, I got to be honest. Before I ask how you're feeling, because I always ask how you're feeling, it's because I care. <laughs> it's because I love you. What happened? Like I, 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 I was watching, I'm, I'm jumping right into it, John. You know, I'm jumping in waist deep. I was watching that game. I expected so much more from the offense. I think the defense played as well as you could probably expect, all things considered. But, man, obviously, how are you? But, man, you got to walk me through what happened with this offensive identity. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me they struggled um... – Maybe a, a little bit to the degree they typically tend to have little lulls and they had them and then they kind of explode, but they never really exploded. There weren't any big splash plays. I think the longest play was 23 yards. Um, and that's not the typical build up Eagles offense we're, we're used to, but you know, they still. I call, you know, obviously it wasn't Jalen Hurts' best day by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he took care of the football for the most part until the big fumble. But, you know, taking care of the football doesn't mean you never turn it over. Uh, everybody's a human being. Uh, for the most part, he t- takes care of the football. And and the word I use is relentless. He's he's re- whether it's that quarterback draw on I think it was third and eleven or third and twelve that he converted. Those are back breaking plays. You're playing good defense. You're playing good defense, and then bang, you should be off the field holding to a field goal, whatever, and he converts that type of play. 
you know, and he does that four or five times a game, whether he's playing really well or, or whether he's not playing really well. Um, and I go back to last year in Indianapolis where the Eagles played probably their worst game of the year um, for three and a half quarters. And he made a couple plays at the end. He won the game. So, you know, I think the number's 18 out of 19 now, regular season. Um, when Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, the Eagles generally win. It might not always be pretty, but they find a way. And, you know, this is a great – I mentioned this on the postgame show. This is a great win for a coach because you can complain about everything, but you won. Typically, when you're complaining about everything, you don't win. Uh, and the Eagles, it's a mark of a good team. They didn't play well, uh, but they were able to win the football game. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You know, good teams win games like this, right? No, it, it wasn't pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and they came up against a, a pretty good defense, in my opinion. You know, I, you know, I spoke about this. You and I spoke about this. This game, in my opinion, was never designed to be easy. You're going up against Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien. Those are two of the uh, two of the greatest minds in football right now. Um, you're going up against uh, a Patriots team that that has a lot to prove because they're in that they're in that competitive AFC East. Uh, on on top of that, the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to you know avoid the Super Bowl hangover, and I had a hard time differentiating, uh, you know, rust from lack of continuity and I don't know regression because, you know, obviously there's a new coordinator with uh, Brian Johnson. I had a hard time figuring out what his objective was on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, typically when coordinators come in the game, any coordinator, really, uh, any coordinator, really, they have certain things that they want to accomplish, you know, on their side of the ball, respectively. I had a hard time figuring out exactly what Brian Johnson was trying to accomplish besides get Kenny Gainwell involved. Well, yeah, the scripted plays were early, were heavy Kenny Gainwell to get him. And by the way, very successful. I mean, you know, you could argue their first drive was their most impressive drive of the game. Yeah, um, for sure. And he, I think he, he uh, touched it eight different times on that drive. And it was really successful till it bogged down. They had to set up for the field goal. Um, you know, and then you get into the guts of the game, and that's where play callers kind of set themselves apart because once you're off that script, um, you know, that's when things become difficult and you can be redundant or you can be undisciplined. I asked Nick about that today because you're not getting Dallas Goddard to football. I mean, there's something, there's gotta be something on your play sheet that said, all right, we got to get Dallas Goddard involved. You know, people talked about Deandre Swift. I'm not, I'm not as focused on that, but when you start talking about uh, Dallas Goddard, he's a legitimate star player. He can't go out of a game with zero receptions never can happen we said the same thing week one last year in detroit people forget Devonte smith did not have a reception in that game That's correct it was the story all week we kept at what what the heck is going on that you can't get the football to Devonte smith well it worked out just fine he got the football quite a bit same thing's going to happen with dallas goddard look there's always an overreact reaction even the first week more than most um they didn't play well. They don't practice a lot. 
it shouldn't be a surprise. And yeah, Bill Belichick and AJ Brown said after the game, he's like, he threw a lot of curveballs at us. You're not going to see that from two other, te- uh, many other teams. Um, the Patriots have a top 10 defense. I don't think people in Philadelphia realize that's a really I'm, good I'm, defense. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so with you on that. They have talent on that side of the ball. And yeah. let's be honest, a Bill Belichick defense is always going to be a good defense. That's just the reality of it. And you can make an argument Jalen Hurts went up against his most um, complicated, the most complicated defense he might he, he might see all season. And if it's not this week, it's going to be on Thursday because it's Brian Flores and he's a Bill Belichick guy, but probably even a little bit more aggressive and inventive and does some crazy things. But he doesn't have the talent that Bill has on the defensive side of the ball. But from a schematic standpoint, week one and week two, I said, you know, it match it, it it's a nice little test for the Eagles because you have you're gonna get these great schemes offense for the offense. You're gonna get these great schemes to work with, to work against, excuse me, and, and you're probably gonna win the game because those teams don't have the talent to keep up with the Eagles, but you get the great test. And it might be ugly um at times, but they're going to win the game. I never felt up until Nick Sirianni went for it on fourth and two. Um, and the head coach gave the Patriots an opportunity to steal that game, to be honest. Um, up until that point, I never had a feeling the Eagles were ever going to lose that game. I don't know about you. I never had a feeling they were going to lose that game until Nick made that mistake, even more so than the fumble. That fourth and two. That's where just, I got nervous. I got nervous at the fumble. I'll be yeah, honest. if you just punt the football, even if it's a touchback and they're backed up at the 20, I'm pretty confident they're going to get out of there with a win. Um, but going forward, fourth and two at the 44, yeah. And they, and they got some breaks. I mean, let's be let's be frank about it. They got bailed out by maybe a, a slightly overthrown ball or maybe a drop over there or maybe a guy just couldn't get his toe in. Like, the Eagles got bailed out a lot yeah. in this game. Well, the toe, you know, if that's Devontae, that's, that's a rookie receiver. I mean, if that's – even if that's Kendrick Bourne, that's probably – he probably taps the toe and all of a sudden you're first in goal at the eight or nine or whatever it would have been. Um, and then you're really starting to worry. Um, but yeah, they had some breaks, um, penalty wise too. There were some questionable calls, but nobody's, you know, uh, I, it, the Eagles didn't play well and they won the football game. And I always think that's a good sign because if you're a good team mm. and you don't have your best stuff and you're still able to win games. That that pretty much tells me you're a good team. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people are concerned about the fact that they are going to have to have a quick turnaround, you know, when they face the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday. I think that may be able to work in their benefit, maybe not from a fatigue standpoint, but I feel like the sooner this team can get back on the field, the better the better serve they'll be, especially on offense. You know, what say you about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great spot. I've been talking about this all summer. It's a great spot for the Eagles. I mean, Minnesota's the team. Remember, they're on a short week as well. They're coming off a home loss, and they got to travel on a short week. 
I mean, this is a great spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's their home opener. We've already seen the the Vikings wilt in this environment numerous times. They're going to wilt again. They're not going to handle the environment. This is a great, great spot for the Eagles. And I know people are going to be fearful of Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and K.J. Osborne and Kirk Cousins throwing the football. They, they, for years now, they've had the worst interior offensive lines in the NFL, and they never fix it. That poor guy's going to get murdered by Jalen Carter. I fear for him. I might, uh, I might have an ambulance on hand because I like Kirk after watching quarterback on Netflix. He's a, he's a good guy, but, I mean, they're going to murder that offensive line. I don't know why anybody's worried about this game. You know, I think where people get worried is when you hear about guys like James Bradbury being in, in concussion protocol, right? The odds of him playing in this game are pretty slim to none. Uh, then you had, then you add in the skill position guys on, on Minnesota side of the ball, like you said, Addison, Osborne, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. I mean, they're talented, right? Hawkinson. But, ha- ha- that that that's even yeah. more to my point. I mean, let's go back to that Patriots game. They struggled with Hunter Henry and Mike yeah, Gusecki. But- now, granted, I personally know what Mike Gusecki and Hunter Henry are capable of. Those guys are actually two of the more talented um, tight ends in the game. They just struggle to stay healthy. But if they can stay healthy. Those guys, you can make an argument. One of one of those guys at least are, a, you know, is, is a top ten tight end just based off talent alone. And the Eagles struggled with the tight end position last season. They struggled this season. They're struggling so far this season. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. saying you know Hawkinson's better than both of them. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, by by you know he's he's a great player. He's right there with. Uh, I'd put him at number five, right below Dallas um, as far as tight ends, but. Um, He's a great player. They have great skill position players, but I say it all the time. I say the same thing with Atlanta with, you know, people get excited about skill position players. Oh, they got Bijan. They got Drake London. They got Kyle Pitts on and on and on and on. If you can't block people, you can't play offense. It's not Madden. It's not fantasy football. If you can't block people, Justin Jefferson had, I don't know, 160 on Sunday. They scored 17 points, I think, because they turned it over three times because the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the football. Mm. You can't you can't play offense consistently if you can't block people. And that's what people should be copying the Eagles with, you know, it's great if you get A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. But if you don't have that offensive line, you're Minnesota. You're, you're Atlanta. Eagles have the offensive line. So everything else falls into place when you get those playmakers. But you got to have that foundation first. You really do. You know, you brought up Jalen Carter earlier. That young man, six quarterback pressures on 32 pass rush attempts. He had a sack, a, pr- a pretty crucial sack that came at a pretty crucial part of the game. I mean, how you know how, how much more clutch can you expect him to be? And then Jordan Davis, six total tackles, three solo, a half a sack, a forced fumble, a TFL. I mean, these two guys, you know, came to play first and foremost. But you know, <clears throat> I, w- I was so pleased with 
uh, Jordan Davis's intensity, and it it seemed like he it seemed like he was um, much more twitchier um, off the snap. You know, what was your observation um, in, in totality in totality when it comes to the, the the heart of that defensive line, the defensive tackle position? Yeah, Jordan played great. Fletcher played great, especially late. Um, yeah. Carter was off the charts. Milton was great. I mean, that defensive front, and I know you know. That's the problem with just looking at the box score and saying, you know, 35 for 54, 316 yards. I mean, know, he, did, not, he threw the ball 54 times, 300 yeah. yards, 54 attempts. I mean, I can't really. Yeah, that's, that's not really. Not, that's not a ton of yards per attempt, which is the key. When they were behind, they were behind 16 nothing. They abandoned the running game, which is what they wanted to do. So mm-hmm. you pretty much make the the – the Patriots do what they don't want to do. And Mac Jones was hurried throughout. He was forced off his spot and, you know, but everybody's obsessed with sacks and coming off 70, you know, last year, look, teams are going to game plan for that. The football was coming out quickly because they knew the pass rush was coming. And you saw how many times Jalen Carter broke through. He only had one sack. Um, and and the modern game means you're going to make some plays. There's nothing you can do. Um, again, a lot of Eagles fans thought their defense stunk last year. Let's be honest. I never stopped hearing about it. They were number one in passing defense, and you think they stunk. I'm not talking to everybody, but a lot of people thought they stunk. They were number one. That's the modern NFL. It is hard to stop the passing game. Because everything is tilted in that in that favor, um, so you have to factor that that into it and grade it on a curve, um, and it is what it is. And that curve is you measure against the thirty-one other teams. That's the curve. And when you're number one of thirty-two, that means you're good at something. Um, and the Eagles were good at it last year. Look, they gave up too much too much yardage, but they only gave up uh, uh, 20 points. So, I mean, if you give up 20 points with this offense, you're going to win a lot of games. But I think that's what a lot of – at least me, right? I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here. Knowing what this defense is and what we lost, you know, in comparison to 2022 and up until now, I mean – my expectation or my hope was if this defense can find a way to limit teams to 20 points or less, even 21 points or less, right? If this defense can find a way to limit teams to around that number or less, I think that gives this offense plenty of room for error. It gives gives this offense plenty of room uh, to put up points and win games. I mean, look, this defense, there's talent sprinkled in. Let's not get it twisted, but there's a gaping hole in the middle of the defense, linebackers and safeties included. And teams are going to be able to pass the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles. But the question is, can they make key stops when it matters most? When it all when it's all said and done, can that defensive line uh you know hold up? You know, can that can can those corners make a play when it matters most, right? And you know, like you said, this is the modern NFL. You're you're not just gonna shut down any passing um offense. It's not as I mean there are certain games like the Joe Burrow game, you know, against the Browns. That was an anomaly. I mean, he had his worst game of his career, but for the most part, you're not going to really shut down these top tier quarterbacks. It's pretty difficult. 
Yeah. And occasionally, you know, people will point to Cleveland and Cincinnati and see what Cleveland did to, to Joe Burrow. Look, there's always those outliers, but you can't um, point to that and say, oh, look, that you should be doing this or, or you should be doing that. That's why you grade things over 17 games. And as I said, when you end up number one over 17 games, it's a larger sample size. It's more valuable than after week one. But, I mean, the Eagles' defense certainly played well enough to win, and typically if if they hold teams to that level, this offense is going to easily lap teams. Now, they didn't because the offense didn't play well. You had four Jake Elliott field goals. You can imagine if they were humming and turned those into touchdowns, it could have been a blowout, but they weren't able to get things going. Um, but ultimately, I think this offense is going to be really good. And I think this defense is going to be kind of what you just saw. They're going to have to rely on the front. That's it. Those guys are going to have to dominate because they're weak. If you're going to be honest, they're weak at linebacker. They're weak at safety. Um, The corners are good, but, you know, all of a sudden Bradbury's out. Uh, I guess there's some chance he can play on Thursday, but that would be really rare to get through the concussion protocol. Uh, that quickly, uh, and that means Josh Job is going to have his first NFL start, and he's got to deal with whether they travel slay with Jefferson. He, he's got to deal with Addison or Osborne, and that's not a good matchup for the Eagles. But guess what? If Jalen Carter's all over Kirk Cousins, it doesn't matter. So they have to lean on that defensive front. Yeah, they definitely can't lean on the linebackers. I mean, N'Kobe Dean goes down. You know, we talked about could he make 17 games. The dude didn't even make, make 60 off, minutes. Off, off four quarters. Couldn't make 60 minutes. I mean, yeah. and look, again, we talked about this. This isn't about talent when it comes to Kobe Dean. This isn't no, about – I, I thought he know, was playing pretty well, actually. You, you, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I felt like he did a pretty decent job in run defense. Um, there were moments where he was caught out of position in the passing game. Um, but not being able to make 60 minutes of football, now he's out for multiple weeks. Who No one really knows when he's going to come back for the most part. There's a chance maybe he might go on IR. You never really know at this point. And the Eagles brought in a linebacker, Rashawn Evans, former first-round pick uh, you know, of, of from the Tennessee Titans. I mean, he was just brought into the practice squad. This guy wasn't on the roster for a reason. The Philadelphia Eagles are grasping at straws yeah. at that linebacker position. I mean, John, do you have any updates um, when it comes to Kobe Dean? And, you know, what's, what's the next move here, you know, for this linebacker room? I mean, it's the role's only going to get tougher. Yeah, well, I think short-term they're going to uh, somehow get Nicholas Morrow up, whether it's an elevation or putting him on the 53. Um, uh, Nicobe's going to be out for, for multiple weeks. What that means, obviously, you know, you have to play the, the IR game. If it's going to be four weeks, you can put him on IR. Um, if it's going to be two weeks, you probably don't want to do that. It's going to be three weeks. Maybe you want to play a caution, but they need that roster spot because remember they're playing hijinks at punter and punt returner. So technically they already have their two elevations in, in, in place for the first three weeks with Sipos and, and Cubby. So they just can't elevate Nicholas Morrow. They have to find a roster spot. The easiest way to find that roster spot is just to put Nicobe on IR and then 
you know, it's very unlikely um, Evans will be ready uh, for Thursday night. Um, the Eagles don't even practice this week. They're having a walkthrough tomorrow. Nobody practices on these short weeks. Um, so then you have the mini buy afterwards. Maybe you can get them ready for Tampa Bay and they have an extra day. Cause I think that's a Monday night game. So a little bit of an extra mini buy and perhaps get him involved, but doesn't matter. Cunningham, Ellis, Morrow, Evans. Without Nicobe, it doesn't look great at linebacker. Do you see them doing a lot more big nickel situations, you know, uh, bringing uh, Terrell Edmonds on that field so they could have uh, no, with three safeties? I, I, I mean, look, linebackers can't play linebacker. What makes you think safety can play linebacker? I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing you do in obvious passing situations mm. as a curveball to, to the other team. But okay. no, I mean, Look, Terrell Edmonds has never played linebacker in his life, and you want him to go out and play linebacker over. Well, well I mean, now, he, he's a box safety, right? So he's played close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know? but there's a big difference between being a box safety and being a real linebacker. Um, you know, Zach Evans, uh, Zach Cunningham knows how to knows how to play linebacker. Nicholas Morrow knows how to play linebacker. Ironically, he was a safety in college, but he's playing linebacker for a long time now. Um, same with Rashawn Evans. He knows how to play linebacker. Terrell Edmonds doesn't know how to play linebacker. Right. Now, if you go down the Nolan Smith route. Come on, John. I'm not ever going to ask you that. I'm, I'm not crazy enough to well, ask you I already got asked that on social media. So, <laughs> look, Nolan Smith has a shoulder injury. And the last thing you want to do is tell him to put his shoulder into people as an all-ball linebacker. Just leave Nolan Smith alone. Let Mm -hmm. him develop on the outside. Just be patient. He's not going to be Jalen Carter. You got Jalen Carter to play with. He's phenomenal right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Let Nolan Smith sit in the background and learn at a comfortable pace. Don't worry about getting him on the field. That's my advice. You know, as we begin to close this show out, John, you know, obviously the Vikings, they're coming off of a very shocking loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That game threw me for a loop. I didn't expect them to look that pedestrian against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, when that Buccaneers defense is healthy, they're they're a pretty good defense. When healthy last year, they battled a lot of injuries and there was a lack of continuity. So it was hard for that defense to really – um, really make an impact throughout the entire season. Um, and also, they had obviously had injuries on the offensive line. But the Vikings were expected to win that game at the very least. They couldn't do that. So they're coming in extremely motivated to kind of right the ship. They can't afford to fall 0-2 on the season, knowing how uh, competitive it's going to be at the top of the NFC. Um, I, and also, their division has got, is looking more competitive now with the Detroit Lions, you know, um, you know, looking how they look, you know, stealing a win on the road against Kansas City. I mean, that does wonders for your confidence. And then uh, uh, Jordan Love is, look, is, is looking like a player. He's looking like he can kind of do the job. Granted, yeah, it was against I, the Chicago. I predicted that one. I like that. I like Jordan Love. Yeah, granted, it was against the Bears, but he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. And he has time in that system, in that offense with that head coach. So that division is looking more and more competitive 
for the Minnesota Vikings. They can't afford to fall 0-2. They're going to come in uh, with the mindset of they have to win this game by any means necessary. Now, granted, the Eagles are coming off of a win, but like you said, they won, but it didn't go the way they wanted. So they're definitely coming in with so many things that they want to correct as well. So um, this can be a very interesting matchup, and I'm, I, I'm definitely not going to get a prediction for you right now. It was way too early in the week. Um, but, you know, what's your thoughts on just those two forces uh, coming yeah, together? Well, it's not too early because they're playing on Thursday. But, yeah, I'm pretty – I mean, yeah, you, everything you said is right, and who cares? I mean, they're not good enough to win here. They've proven it when they're good. They're not mm. good enough to win here. And they're not good this year. Um, sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, I was talking to Jody this morning about the Giants and the Vikings. It's kind of a difficult balancing act. One of the most difficult things to do in the NFL for GMs is to be honest with themselves. Be honest. And both of those teams overachieved. Everybody knew they overachieved. And the Vikings seem to have said, you know what? We're not, we're really not a 13 win team. So we're going to have this crappy off season and, and dump a bunch of our good players and try to go about things a different way. And the Giants said, Oh, let's give Daniel Jones uh, a, a, a boatload of money. Long-term the Vikings probably made the better decision because they were more honest than the Giants were with themselves. On the other hand, though, I say you did win 13 games with the worst defensive coordinator in God's green earth, and now you have one of the best defensive coordinators. In theory, you should be able to win games in a little bit of a different fashion. You don't have to score 35 points, and that was borne out in week one. You know, the defense only gave up. 20 points now they're still bad in big spots and they couldn't get stops but it was a heck of a lot better than last year and that's directly attributed to brian flores um but now you know no more dalvin cook they have no running game they they did nothing with that interior of the offensive line same three guys who can't pass block anybody Mm. And and Quasia Dopa Mensa says, "Hey, let's run it back with these three guys who can't block anybody." Um, you used to cover the Vikings back in the day, right? Yeah, long time ago. But um, yeah, they they have the worst pass blocking interior offensive line in football, and it's been that way for ever since they drafted Garrett Bradbury. They cannot block people. And they have all these skill players, and they're great, and I get it. <laughs> but look at look at Justin Jefferson, one sixty, whatever it was. Did they win the football game? Who cares? That's a good point. That's a good point. So, John, um, final question: um, Jalen Hurts didn't really have the game that we all thought he would have, but also you couple that with. Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick, I mean, they got the win still. What are you looking for from Jalen Hurts going forward uh, into Thursday night football um, just so he can potentially write the ship? Well, I think he'll be much more comfortable in the home environment. I mean, that's going to help, obviously. Um, you know, the Vikings are going to be the ones affected by the crowd uh, this time. That was the Eagles and Foxborough. Um, it's going to be a better weather game. Um it's going to be 
again, a less talented defense. Now, we're up, what I'm interested to see is uh, Flores is going to come with some unique looks, uh, unique pressures, and I'm interested to see how Jalen handles them um, because he will not be seeing the run-of-the-mill cover to Vic Fangio defense that he saw last year when they played Minnesota. It's going to be completely different. You're going to see blitzes from all three levels. This is a coordinator Eagles fans would die for. This mm. is the Eagles defensive court. This is the guy they want. This guy comes with pressure from every level at any time. You don't, it might be a corner. It might be a safety. It might be a linebacker. It might be overload. It might be a gap. This is the coordinator Eagles fans would want. You guys heard it here first, man. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button, continue to stay engaged into the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. We appreciate all the love and support you guys provide. Also, make sure you guys show some love to our Eagles insider, John McMullen. He does amazing work for SI.com and JacobSports.com as well. He's one of the best covering the Philadelphia Eagles in this market. On top of that, you guys, make sure you check him out on Birds 365 with his partner, Jody Mack. And on top of that, Sports Take with Derek Gunn. And Rob Ellis, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. And we also have that sports gambling show as well on Jacob covering college football and the National Football League with the Philly Godfather and Legal Hands to the Face with Bill Colorado. A lot of content, man. And also, you guys, don't, don't forget, we have the pre-halftime and post-game show. That's some of the best right now covering your Philadelphia Eagles with Seth Joyner, Mike Missanelli, Kayla Santiago, Mark Forzetta. John McMullen, Derek Gunn. I mean, you have some heavy hitters on that panel, so make sure you guys always stay locked in on the content. I'm your humble host, Tone. The show's the second. He's John McMullen. You guys were locked in on football 24-7. Take care, you guys. We'll see you next time.